Our Father, we come in Jesus' name to give thanks to you that we could assemble together as your people to not only hear your praise, but sing it. Sing your praise from our hearts because of how much, Lord, we love you, we adore you, how much we appreciate your work of grace in our lives ongoingly, and how much we give thanks for the salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and for the spirit that indwells us unto that great day of redemption. And we ask in Jesus' name that you would open our minds and hearts to receive the word of God and it might feed us in our hearts, in our souls, and transform us to become more and more in a closer and a more meaningful relationship with you. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> As you're probably quite aware, there are two types of worldviews that are in conflict with one another in the day and age that we're living. They've always been there. They just seem to be much more um, uh, realized, uh, more aware uh, to all of us because of those competing influences that they bring. Um, in many respects, we talk, talk about them as two types of wisdom operating in the world. There is the wisdom of the world, and there is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of the world pertains to knowing and understanding by, if you will, natural, empirical means, the things of this world minus God. Whereas the wisdom of God is given by God, it's a spiritual wisdom that he gives to us that pertains to not only knowing and understanding who God is and what he's created, but also know him through special revelation that he's given to us in his word. So we have both the general, the empirical, but also the special revelation of God that helps us to understand who God is and what he's doing in the world. And this is the wisdom that God imparts to us. The Apostle Paul makes this contrast between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God by explaining how foolish the message of the cross is to those who operate only by the wisdom of the world in their unbelief, who are on the road to ruin. And the only thing that can change this course that they're on is when a sinner hears the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the grace of God is born again to a living hope in Jesus Christ. The same way that Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus there as we read in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. You must be born again. The Apostle Paul, in another letter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 through 25, 
brings out the differences between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. For he asks these questions. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Jews, they ask for signs. Greek, search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To Jews, a stumbling block, and to Gentiles, foolishness. But to the called, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You'll remember last Sunday, we heard God's master plan of salvation in verses 1 through 14. How the Apostle Paul explains to the church that God the Father chose them in Christ from all eternity. That God the Son redeemed them for all eternity. And that God the Holy Spirit sealed them to all eternity. The big question that is on the minds of some today is, since God has foreordained everything that comes to pass, as in His salvation, then why pray? Why witness? Why study our Bibles? Why do anything if the plan of God will be accomplished anyway? You ever had that thought? I know that some of you have because you've asked me about it in this manner. The answer is really quite simple. God's plan and His purposes include you. You as His beloved children. Your worship in spirit and in truth God is glorified. Your prayers of thanksgiving, intercession, petition, and supplication, God hears and He answers. Your witnessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, God ordained to save people from their sins. Your Bible study, God blesses to build up the body of Christ so that they might bear fruit in every good work and bring glory to God. It's your humble service. It is your generous giving. Your faithful service being led by the Spirit of God and faith in the Lord Jesus that God uses. These are the means of God's grace. These are the means that God shows His love and His mercy. And it is by the Spirit that empowers us that indeed God uses to accomplish His will. And that's one of the reasons I believe 
that the Apostle Paul, after he lays out God's master plan of salvation, he breaks out in prayer, in a pastoral prayer for these believers. Why? Because of what they are positionally, he wants them to experience it in their lives day by day. That it would be a growing experience in the development of their, their understanding of who God is, their service for God, and in accomplishing the will of God according to His revealed Word. We read there in verse 15 that for this reason, Paul says, having heard of the faith that they have in the Lord Jesus and the love for all the saints that exist among them, he breaks out into this prayer. By the way, these two things, faith in the Lord Jesus and love for all the saints, are actually written about in other letters that Paul is inspired to give to the churches because these virtues, these two particularly, are the litmus test for every true believer in Christ. The first one, belief in Christ, is one in which they were demonstrating an ongoing trust in the Lord Jesus Christ in their lives. It is foundational in the way in which they seek to believe and live their lives. Faith in Christ. My question to us here is, is our faith growing? Is its uh, focus and founded solely on what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us? Or is it not? The second one, regarding true faith, deals with their behavior in Christ. Their faith commitment to love the people of God. And you know as well as I do that there are often times that we can be unlovable. That we can not be walking in the light of God's truth and harm one another or sin against one another or not be loving towards one another. And yet, the overarching virtue of believers in Christ, of experiencing this new life, of being born again into the family of God is that we will be dedicated to rightly love one another. And Paul asserts that because these virtues are evidenced in the lives of these believers, he breaks out in prayer for them. And you'll notice here that he says there in verse 16, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. Well, what does this 
consist of? Well, the prayers are not only thanksgiving to God, but for what He has already done for them, but it is an asking of God to do more for them. Because He says here that God, He asks God to give them a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. In other words, Paul wants them to continue on in this blessed relationship that they now have in Christ to such an extent so that God will give to them spiritual wisdom, the wisdom of God, and the revelation of His will, the true knowledge of, what, of who He is and what He wants them to become. In other words, he wants them to experientially grow and blossom in their faith as they learn to know God better. And beloved, one of the things that we need to realize as Paul knew when he prayed this prayer is this. What Paul asked God for, only God can provide. For spiritual wisdom and understanding comes from God alone by His grace. And it comes through the guidance of the indwelling Holy Spirit who illuminates the Word of God and gives us guidance and understanding of what we are to be, but also who God is. It's the true knowledge of God. <clears throat> Indeed, uh, John talks about this in John chapter 16, verse 13 through 15. And Jesus prays for this sanctifying truth to be revealed to the people of God in his high priestly prayer there in John 17, verses 16 through 19. And to show you that this prayer was not unique to the Ephesian church, we see a similar prayer given in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, where we read, We have not ceased to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Well, how will this come about? Well, we see it further in Paul's prayer here, the specific ways Paul wants these believers to know God better. In verses 18 and 19. First of all, he says in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Well, we understand our physical eyes very well, don't we? And we know that unless we receive light into our eyes, we cannot make out anything that we are viewing. Well, in Paul's prayer here, 
He is asking God to open up and enlighten the eyes of their hearts, the center of their being, their souls, so that they will know the revelation of God for them. Paul's prayer actually says that the eyes of your heart being enlightened so that you may know. He wants them to know the spiritual knowledge that God wants to reveal to them. A spiritual, if you will, illumination that enables us to know and to understand God's revelation for us. With this in mind, we need to know also that such illumination is not recognized by the unbelieving natural man who operates solely by the wisdom of the world. Though all mankind has a degree of God's revelational truth, and though God has chosen to reveal it to all mankind, yet to those who remain in their unbelief and deny it, they remain in spiritual darkness. Just as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, but the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. Well, what are the three ways then that Paul wants these believers and us through inspiration to gain spiritual insight into the true knowledge of God. Verse 18 says, indeed, that we might know the hope of his calling. You see, Paul had earlier taught that we are chosen to be in Christ that we are adopted into God's family, that we're heirs of the heavenly blessings in Christ. And all of these are, are what make up, if you will, the hope of God's calling, which has been revealed to us, which we have come to know, which we are now in, and what will happen to us in the future when we are with Christ. We now have this living hope, a blessed hope, a sure hope, a hope of glory that is in Christ. As the old hymn says, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And this was not only what was on Paul's prayer heart for the people of God, it was something that was also spoken of by the Apostle Peter in his second letter in verse 10 of chapter 1. 
He says this, Brethren, all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing of you so that you might know the hope of his calling, so that you might know that this hope is an anchor for your souls. <clears throat> and Paul teaches in Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 30, this truth. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. This is the magnitude, the expanse, of the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus. And Paul wants them to know it better, the hope of God's calling in their lives. Second, he wants them to know more richly the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints. And Paul elaborates on this once again in Romans chapter 8 where he says, we have not received a spirit of slavery, but a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. The third point that he makes in his prayer that he wants us to embrace and know more deeply in our relationship with God through Christ is this. What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? God's power, he says, is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he reminds us that he has put all things in subjection under Jesus' feet and gave Jesus as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You see, we read that passage back there in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 5, because Jesus Christ fulfills it. For in Christ we do have eternal salvation that enables us by grace to gain spiritual understanding, insight, wisdom to know God better through these three means, by understanding more fully the hope of his calling, by receiving and understanding the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is 
the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Beloved, we could spend the rest of our lives and will spend the rest of our, of our eternity in understanding and knowing God better. Paul's prayer to this church as well as to us as believers today is that we be so blessed by God the wisdom of God, so that we will know God better. So therefore, let us learn all we can from what God has revealed in His Word about who we are in Christ, so that we will long more and more to want to be with God. Let's pray together. Father, as you know, there are so many distractions in this world that attempt to keep us from not knowing you. There are so many um, things that come out through media outlets and through other areas of, of uh, education and uh, academia that, that sort of want to try to steer us more and more into the wisdom of the world rather than the wisdom of God. And we ask you, Lord God, to give us what Paul prayed for this church. Help us, Lord God, to know you better so by knowing the hope of our calling. What are those riches of our inheritance and the power, the power of God that even raised Christ Jesus from the dead, that power working in and through us so that we might become a people whose God is the Lord and whose word is the path that we are walking in day by day, all to the praise of your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.